Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, IndyCar fans. This is Nathan Brown, your motorsports insider with the Indianapolis Star, uh, recording live from my house, actually, because we are uh, under quarantine. Uh, under uh, So Connor is with me remotely, Connor Daly, uh, the uh, full-time now IndyCar driver with both Ed Carpenter Racing and Carlin Racing. Uh, here for episode two for IndyCar Weekly this season. Um, Connor, how are you doing? Well, we're in a bit of a weird spot. Um, I, I forget what interacting with humans is like in a, on a real real basis. I uh, forget what race cars look like. Don't know what day of the week it is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're just trying to, <laughs> trying to get through it all and hope that we can come back on the other side of this and, uh, and go racing very frequently and, um, and yeah, keep the ball rolling. So what's, I, I've been trying to figure this out myself. What's the longest that you've gone so far without actually stepping foot outside of your home since this all happened about a week or so ago? Well, I mean, to be fair, I, I've been going to the gym every day because my, my trainer is still working, and it's it's not necessarily open to the public, but they've been helping us out. It's me and a couple a couple of NFL guys. Um, so I've, I've been out, uh, and I've gone to the store, and I've gone to, like, my mother's house, um, but I haven't seen any friends, haven't seen really anyone other than family uh, or my trainer. And, um, yeah, it's just – it's been weird. So – not really sure what to what to think about it. I uh, played a lot of Call of Duty um, <laughs> and and tried to just stay physically, you know, ride my bike every day after the gym. Um, and yeah, it's just it's one of those things that the off season. I mean, my like I'm used to this timeline. Obviously, starting racing in May the last two years, that's what I've done. But I also was able to go to all the races before May, so you still had stuff going on. Now we literally have nothing going on. Um, and, and you can't even go to the simulator, can't even go to the race shop right now. So it is a genuinely new situation and it's really hard to, uh, to kind of wrap your head around it. Have you had, um, I don't think I have, and I don't think my wife has either. Have you had any sort of, uh, weird things in the grocery store that you haven't been able to find to, cause obviously now a lot of restaurants are closing you, um, where we are, you can, um, get pickup and take out from a handful of places, but, uh, or I guess drive through, but, um, you had any weird, like go to the grocery store and basically the, the shelves are completely empty type situations here the last week or so. Well, last weekend I, I was at, I left Alex Rossi's house and I went to Whole Foods on my way home and, um, and the lady in there, I was checking out and she said, Oh, you should be IndyCar racing right now. Shouldn't you? And I was like, yeah, that's depressing. <laughs> I was like, 
nothing crazy. I mean, it looks like there's some stuff gone, but I've been able to find everything that I need. Um, I, I, I don't know why. I mean, you know, I mean, there is there is a, a need for a lot of things, but I don't. I still have no idea why people were going so crazy. Certainly over toilet paper as well. I don't. I don't get that craze at all. I'm glad um, you're on that boat because I don't. I. I that I've been one of those people that like. I don't. Of all things to to run out of, I don't. I don't get the toilet paper thing. That doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. But. And even still, I mean, like I can, you know, thankfully I live, you know, I live downtown Indianapolis, so I can order, you know, the cluster truck and DoorDash, like apps like that are still delivering food and, um, and it's been really good. Uh, so I, I normally rely on that stuff anyway, but, uh, but now, you know, you, you can, you almost have to rely on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think overall, I mean, last, last weekend when we were getting home from St. Pete, I mean, everyone was thrilled to be reporting on chaos and they were like, oh, you know, there all those fake text messages were going around and everyone had friends in the Pentagon and they were like, oh, the whole world's going to be shut down in two days. <laughs> I was like, well, guess what? I'm still, I mean, I, I, it's none of that has happened. I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but I don't know. It, it's just, it's become so ridiculous that, it, I mean, no one can believe anyone. Everyone wants to report something that's going on that's crazy. The media is going insane. Um, but obviously there's a dangerous situation that is happening. That is a real thing. Um, but it's just so hard to believe certain different reports. Everyone's got a different – every doctor is, has a different opinion on everything. And um, all, all I, all I want to know is when we can get back in a race car and, uh, and, and, and get out there. It's, I mean, being someone who, you know, who works at a newspaper even still, it's been so hard to keep up with, like, what the, like, status quo either of the city of Indianapolis or the state or the whole country is. Like, you've got some, like, I think last night even, you have uh, the whole state of California is basically supposed to stay in your house now for an undetermined amount of time, and it's hard to know, like what the next 24 hours even are going to look like. So I think uh, in some ways you kind of just have to look forward like a couple hours ahead and kind of plan out your day, uh, your next day, because you don't really know what your next day is going to be allowed to look like. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's been interesting because, you know, we, you know, we're, there, there's a lot of like esports and stuff like that going on right now. You know, a lot of iRacing, people get jumping on the internet trying to do stuff because we all certainly have the internet now and, um, you know, there's a lot going on there, but, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to your day, yeah, I, I think you have to, you have, all we can do is take it one day at a time. And it's annoying. Like I'd like to be able to plan ahead and, and stuff like that. But you know, a lot of these sports and people that are canceling so much all the way through like June and, and, and July and stuff like that. I'm like, how can you possibly know that far ahead? You know, that, that, that this is still going on. We got a lot of smart people out here working on it and, it's, you know, it's not like there are zombies exploding in the street, which is like, oh, yeah, definitely shut everything down. I mean, this is a dangerous thing, and, and it's certainly affecting a lot of people. Um, but I don't know. It's only my personal opinion. Obviously, everyone can disagree or do whatever. But, like, it's it's something that, you know, right now I think all the right measures are being taken. And maybe this in two weeks, you know, because we were doing what we're doing now, maybe we'll start, you know, getting better and everything will go sort of the right way who knows certainly hope so you know you're, there's there's 
a whole lot of different uh, trend reports you can look at. Some look better than others, but um, certainly for racing sake, hopefully things get better here soon and we uh, can get back to both for you getting on a racetrack and for me being able to uh, report on racing-related activities. I guess that's a good segue maybe. Um, certainly, in, you know, unless you've truly been living under a rock uh, as an IndyCar fan, what we are, t- are talking about is – uh, we got to Friday morning at uh, St. Petersburg, supposed to be the IndyCar season opener, um, and we get an, uh, a release, breaking news release from IndyCar announcing that uh, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg had been, I think technically the word that they actually did use was canceled, uh, and that's been such a, uh, I think I've used the word or typed the word postpone and cancel probably more in this last week than I have and it's been so confusing to figure out when people actually mean cancel when they say it um, so that was a confusing thing but for um, for that race's sake at least the the first four races of the IndyCar calendar for 2020 uh, have at least been shelved and some of them actually sound like they are not going to be happening uh, this calendar year Take me, Connor, kind of how you found out this news. What were you doing that morning? I know we that ended up actually being a day off for you guys, and it wasn't scheduled to be that way. So what what were you doing that Friday, and, and how did this kind of play out from your perspective? Well, I mean, Thursday, honestly, we, you know, we got to the track and – and did you know did what we normally do i mean there was obviously a lot of rumors a lot a lot being said um you know sports all around the world were being affected all of a sudden and it was it was sort of just a minute by minute deal um but you know i I got my helmets ready you know we went through tech we got all you know my stuff taken care of um you know we walked the track uh because actually there wasn't anything on track which and the, for some reason the track walk was scheduled in the morning when we were all on the charter to get there, so every all everyone missed the track walk except for um, you know a couple guys that were local. So I guess since they weren't running anything, we were able to go out there and actually walk the track. And, and me, Renus, and um, and and our driver coach Lee Bentham were going around. But uh, then when we all heard that you know they would condense the schedule. Um, I was already, you know, I, it's already like, oh, great, you know, this is going to be terrible, but okay, glad we still get to race, you know what I mean? That's fine. Um, you know, we we were we were looking at all the positives, like, hey, this could be a great opportunity for for great TV ratings. You know, NBC could potentially benefit from this, and and, and our sport in general. Um, and you know, Thursday just sort of went out to dinner and met up with James Hinchcliffe actually, and actually talked to Mark Miles for a while. And, and even Mark Miles was 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 fairly confident. I, I asked him, I said, "Hey, are we gonna are we gonna be racing this weekend? Like, is this is this happening?" And he seemed pretty confident. So I, I think no one really knew what was actually gonna happen um, un, until it did. You know, when I woke up on on Friday, um, I, I mean, everything just started you know, hitting the fan. I mean, it just, it was just, it just seemed like every hour something different was happening. Um, and, and it was just, it was such a shame. I mean, I, I we sort of, honestly, we didn't really know what to do. And, and I, I, I met up for, for a bit of brunch on Friday with, with, uh, with Rossi and Spencer Piggott and a couple of our other friends. 
um, that had made the trip down there for the race weekend. Um, and, you know, saw Ryan Hunter Ray, talked to his family, saw Marcus Erickson. We're all just kind of sitting there, you know, in the streets of St. Pete, not really sure what to do. And, uh, and, and honestly, it was, it was super disappointing. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so sad to, you know, get all the way there. You're literally one day from finally getting in a car on one of my favorite tracks that now looks like I'll have to wait, you know, another year to get on. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it was really weird. I mean, everyone was just sort of, I I don't know. It's just, you, you, you sort of assume the worst. You, we're thinking so, through so many options. Um, and, you know, obviously every day it progressed into, you know, more and more cancellations. Um, and that's just, you know, it's sad for the sport. It's sad for all sports. It's sad for all the people that, you know, are, are suffering through this, um, you know, the, the virus. And, and, yeah, it just everything sort of started, you know, settling into place and we all got home you know thankfully we didn't actually have to go through you know the regular airport the charter flew us all in the same group of people racing people people that we all know no one you know no one had the virus um and you know we were able to fly through a private terminal so we didn't actually you know come in communication with many uh you know many people and there were no fans in there on, on the thursday um and we weren't even allowed to go to the track on friday so um, you know, so we were really kept away from a lot of people, but, uh, it was just a weird, just everything about it was, was weird. It still is weird. Um, and yeah, we, we just got to kind of go, go on from here, I guess. It was such a, almost a surreal 24 hours because I, and I don't even quite remember everything that transpired in between when the mayor of St. Pete announced, I think it was at a, a press conference at 3 PM on Thursday that they weren't going to have fans to win. I think the the release from IndyCar came out about 11.40, 11.45 in the morning on Friday, but the the few things that I can remember at that point that happened, I think something, I don't think the UCAA tournament had announced yet that they were canceling. Um, that happened. You had the, the PGA Tour event, which is another one of those sports, kind of like NASCAR and like IndyCar, that you don't necessarily think of being a big issue and maybe you might be able to run it with some sort of safety without having fans there. I think those were some of the last couple of sports that held out. You had Disney closing. Um, it just kind of seemed like IndyCar, Mark Miles, Roger Penske, they waited as long as they could, but I, I imagine still with two days left before the event, you almost kind of get to a point where even if you want to run it and you maybe personally think you can probably pull it off without anyone getting infected or anyone um, being put in an unsafe situation, that almost public pressure, I would imagine, probably has to play into it to some extent. Yeah, I mean, well, I think for the most part, yeah, a lot of public pressure was put on everyone. Um you know, if you didn't cancel your event, it was it was the wrong thing to do. And and I, I truly, truly believe we could have absolutely got away with running that event, um, you know, with, without any fans, do you know, do the right thing. We're already down there. 
If, if, they, if we were to be exposed to anything, we would have already been exposed to it, right? Um, so, you know, it, it is a shame for sure that we couldn't at least just get one under our belt, get it going, and and then figure it out. Because obviously we had, you know, several weeks after St. Pete where there wasn't any racing. Um, and, you know, that, that was my initial thought. Obviously, it, you know, it, it, it progressed into canceling everything until May. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was, it was just, it, you know, I, I was the whole, the whole process of it as well. You know, I was Ryan Truex, you know, NASCAR, NASCAR guy. He was texting me saying, Hey, are you guys, you know, what's happening with you guys? I was texting some, some of the people in the F1 paddock in Australia. Like, what are, what are you guys doing? They had no idea. I mean, it was all happening so fast and so um, you know, randomly that, that no one really had any idea what was going on until, you know, we were told what to do. So, um, it was definitely uh, a strange weekend and, and, you know, we all got back home and honestly, like Alex, James and I, we just kind of all sat down and, um, you know, it had hung out on Saturday and, and, uh, and even Ed, Ed Carpenter came over as well, the, the boss, cause he lives pretty close to Alex now. Um, and so we all just kind of hung out there, talked about, you know, what was going to happen next, what was going to go on. And then obviously Sunday, um, you know, the day we were supposed to race, we were watching, you know, last year's St. Pete race, which was again, depressing because I was not a part of it. Um, and you know, we realized that we hated watching and we were really, you know, really dying to get back in there. But, um, but yeah, just, just, just kind of a, a, a strange deal overall. Very, very frustrating to think about. But, you know, we've got to do the right thing for the community and for everyone. And so, you know, so we'll have, you know, a lot more people and a lot of people come back when we do get going again. Yeah, it was, I think Mark even mentioned this in his uh, his conference call with the media on Friday. I guess at, at that point it was early afternoon. He felt like, uh, I mean, he said this publicly, he felt like, there was a certainly a better chance, and and guys in this sport were a lot safer than you would have been with other sports. Um, I guess if maybe if they had a little bit more lead time, maybe you would have been able to I guess administer tests to everyone. But you got to remember that I mean there were entire states in the country that were only able to have like 50 to 100 tests at a time. So if you're going to truly make sure that everyone is is totally safe. I mean, really, I guess the only way to do that is to test people. And when you have 10, 15, 20 people in a car, multiply that by 26 cars and any media that you're going to allow in there, plus safety folks, I imagine it just kind of gets to a point that you can probably be like 95% sure that everyone's going to be totally fine, but maybe you aren't 100%, and maybe that's where they kind of had to go to at that point to make that decision. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I know for sure that I'm going to save the, the worksheet they gave us to come into the track Saturday for forever and potentially frame it in 10 years when we look back on this and say, wow, that was a wild time. Because, <laughs> um, you know, we had to – they gave us this little worksheet on like, hey, have you been out of the country in this amount of time? Or all, you know, asking you the questions, do you have flu-like symptoms, et cetera? Um, because that's what we were going to have to hand to people going to the track on Saturday. Uh, and, and obviously we were super limited to people and, you know, I had my dad there, my mom, 
and my and my little brother Carter, um, and I could only get like my dad in and my little brother, and then so like you know my mom had to get some help from from Doug, obviously her husband, to try and get her on the list. Right, it was like a nightclub, like you had to be on the list to get in. Um, and and yeah, we like I had you know, you know we were ready to go and we were ready to get in there Saturday, but yeah, we I, I, I look I I, I obviously care about this racing family and i want to make sure that everyone's okay and i'm sure they made the right decision um but yeah i mean the drivers wanted to drive and i think even even our team guys i mean even the team guys wanted to be you know doing our thing i mean everyone that works on this race team certainly my race team i know and, and probably all of them you know they love racing as well and, and and they want to go racing they want to be a part of an event they want to you know they want to win like we do so um you know so that that that's what makes it tough for everyone and then you know, once it gets canceled, then it's just, you know, then everyone's got a conspiracy theory, then everyone's got their own, you know, then everyone's got a friend in the Pentagon, everyone's got a friend that's a doctor, and then, then it just becomes a total storm of, of just absolute, you know, information that you just never know what's right or what's wrong. Absolutely. And I, I would imagine maybe this year just about as much as any, I mean, any anyone that was signed up to run in that race certainly wants to... And, and is going to be really bummed, but you've got, you're now full-time, you've got Charlie Kimball now full-time, this was supposed to be one of Sage Karam's, I think, three races this year, one of Sebastian Bourdais' four races, you got four full-time rookies that were going to be making their IndyCar debuts, um, a handful of other guys that are now on new teams that I'm sure were really excited to debut with those new teams. It, it was, after, probably, I mean, this is my first off season, but from a lot of people that I've spoken to, this was one of the craziest off seasons. It was just, I guess, maybe in some ways, almost fitting that the off season, uh, I guess, technically hasn't ended yet um, because of everything that happened. Because we've got now um, four races that that do sound like they're not going to be run. Um, everything that's come out of St. Pete sounds like um, we won't be back in St. Pete until 2021. Um, Barber has already issued. Uh, refunds or is in the process of issuing refunds to fans, though that's maybe a track that potentially you could go back to uh, because it's a a permanent track. Long Beach has said that they are completely done for any sort of possible race in 2020, and then Coda has, I don't believe, said that they're officially done, but they did announce this week that they laid off close to half of their staff because they are essentially in in a lot of ways an entertainment facility and when you have concerts and racing events that are on hold indefinitely uh, a place like that is just really really hard to to continue surviving so that's where we are right now uh, in the IndyCar schedule now the eyes completely turn if they weren't already to the month of May at IMS, uh, according to the schedule as of right now, um, the the first fluctuation was that uh, IndyCar on-track activities were going to be able to start back on May 1st. Some of that is, from what we've read or what's been reported, I think changed to basically uh, May 8th or May 9th with some of the suggestions and urgings out of the CDC. So that already puts the Grand Prix at its current date on May 9th in jeopardy. And then, of course, you look forward two weeks after that with 
Indy 500 qualification uh, the weekend following the Grand Prix and then the Indy 500 itself on May 24th. Certainly look in, uh, in, in a dire situation on those events being able to run even without fans and I would imagine that they would certainly want to be able to have fans in the stands whenever they run that event this year whenever it does happen. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you, like our schedule is very unique, right? Because we have the street events, and that's that's why it becomes so difficult to reschedule those. And I, I do not envy anyone in that department because, I mean, you're shutting down a city for for a weekend, right? And and it's and when that's when that becomes set, you know, you, you make so many other plans around that, um, it becomes very difficult. And and I think the most the one that I was, you know, really sad about as well is Long Beach. I mean, Long Beach is is, is one of our most well attended events, and it has been for so many years. Um, and and everyone that put that event on loves that event, and they do an incredible job with it. And um, and and that that's brutal. I mean, I I think you know when you look at races like Coda and Barber, those tracks are there. I think Barber certainly more than Coda could be rescheduled. Um, you know, I've heard many, 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 many different opinions on on what we what people think we're going to do with the schedule. Um, because I don't know if you know. It, I mean, I think we have to do 17 races in in like the contracts with the engine manufacturers. I don't really know how that exactly works, um, but it's like you know, it's like NFL games, right? I think you know if they're playing 17 games or whatever, 16 games. Um, you know, if you miss one, that affects, you know, players per, you know, per game contracts and stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't know how it all works, you know, technically, and I don't think anyone's ever been in this position before, so we're not really sure exactly, but, you know, I, I, I mean, add double headers. I don't know, do, do, you know, if we, if we rescheduled the Grand Prix, cause we can easily do that, um, you know, run it, run two races just on two different, you know, two different configurations there. I mean, Something to make it still a 17-race schedule. I mean, I would love to be racing into November. I mean, honestly, because it, it makes the off-season shorter on us. It makes it, you know, so we can we can still be busy later into the year. Um, will that happen? Probably not. Uh, but, I mean, we, we have races. You know, we can go to tracks in warm climates into September, into October, and, and still be, you know, having a 17-race championship. So now... I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't. I don't know what you know how that even can take place. Um, but you know, we do have Roger Penske, who has a lot of money, and if he needs to create something to make this happen, maybe he will. And I and I think this we've got a good leader behind us who, who wants to see this series be successful. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it is concerning to look at how everyone wants to just cancel everything. It almost seems like people just want to give up on this year, which is wild because I, I not people in our sport i think people just in general but but the nba the nfl and the mlb and the nhl those guys will all survive right like they have billions of dollars they're gonna make billions of dollars our sport is very very different i mean we've got crew members that are you know living paycheck to paycheck drivers that are living paycheck to paycheck um i mean this is not a major sport like the NBA or the NFL. Our Indy 500 is still the biggest event in the world, yes. But our sport, in in, in, in a sense of size and, and money, you know, flowing through the team members, flowing through the drivers, 
is is minimal compared to all the other sports that can absolutely just cancel and reschedule or just heck move on to next year because they'll they'll be fine, right? But we've got you know we've got a lot of people we need to take care of and 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 you know we need to be able to you know think about this really efficiently. So um, I think our sport is certainly in in the in in a very unique position compared to the NBA, the NFL, and the MLB, or even the NHL as well. Yeah, I think. I think IndyCar did a, a smart thing, and when they when they canceled St. Pete to go ahead, and and I'm sure that they had been having these types of discussions between Thursday and Friday with the uh, city government folks in those other cities, along with the event organizers and the people at those different tracks. That kind of they got the sense of you're not going to be able to run these events, so why don't we go ahead and do this? you know, postpone slash cancel this first chunk of races, and then we get to IMS, which, of course, is also owned by Penske Entertainment Corporation. So you have that uh, maybe uh, slightly improved um, fluidity of communication because Roger Penske is essentially communicating with Roger Penske on what they're going to do with IMS uh, with the Grand Prix and with the 500, and it gave them a little bit of leeway to see how all this stuff plays out statewide, nationally, and globally. Um, the The original message that I had heard is that we probably wouldn't hear anything decision-wise either way for a couple weeks. Um, that might get slightly trimmed down here, just depending, I mean, you hear yesterday, I think the news broke that Monaco uh, is flat out canceled, which is just wild, because it's yeah. on the exact same day as the Indy 500. It's one of those three uh, races in the, the Triple Crown of motorsports worldwide, and to hear, um, you know, I'm not quite as familiar with that race just because my background is much more so in IndyCar, but I know worldwide Monaco is just massive, and I think that was a, a really big hit to the perspective of hopefully being able to run the 500 on the same day, but I think in the grand scheme of things, this gave Roger Penske and Mark Miles and Doug Bowles a chance to not be rushed into any sort of decision because they don't have any decisions essentially until we get to May. Now, I don't think they will wait until May to make that decision, but I think this gives them some lead time to talk with NBC because they're a big player in all of this on how they're going yep. to reschedule things. You can talk to um, some of these other track and event organizers and other city officials for these races down the line because I would imagine that you're going to get to a point where they don't want to just have to come out with announcement after announcement after announcement. I imagine the next thing that we hear from them will probably be a fairly organized plan of how they want and hope this whole entire rest of the season to play out as long as things don't get even crazier and more dire uh, than what we project them maybe to be at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, I think I'm, I'm, I'm very confident in our, in our leadership, right? I think certainly Roger, I feel like Roger can pick up the phone and call the president and get answers as well. You know what I mean? Roger is that type of guy. He knows everyone. He's connected everywhere. Um, 
and heck, I mean, you know, even 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 Mike Pence. Obviously, Mike Pence is an Indiana Indiana guy. He knows how big the Indy Five Hundred is, and you know, I, I obviously I never I never get political on anything. But those two people are the head of our nation currently. So, you know, if if there's information that we can gain from those guys, or um, if there's any you know if there's anything, I think Roger will be able to figure it out. Um, and, and, and that's good. So, so we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think there are, um, you know, we're in for a wild ride over the next, you know, few weeks. Um, you know, maybe not a lot of activities, but just to see what news breaks out. Um, and honestly, I just hope that we're literally racing almost every weekend, um, you know, from May, uh, until, uh, you know, until October or November. But, you know, the, the thing about the Indy 500 is, is really tough because you have, you know, we obviously have had more than 33 cars. There, there are people who are trying to do that event, um, you know, as a one-off. Uh, and if you reduce that schedule, do people really want to use the, the money that they've raised to potentially practice for two days, qualify, not make the race? And then, you know, it, it's just it's something really weird to think about. Then do you all of a sudden have only 29 or 30 cars trying to qualify for the 500 because people are like, well, you know, maybe it's not as worth, not as worth, not as much, you know, money for people anymore. I, I don't know. Um, you know, it is, you know, are people relying on late sponsorship deals to get to the Indy 500 and be a part of it and have already committed to it? I don't know. I mean, a lot of the time, you know, in 2016, I got to the Indy 500 without a sponsor. And, um, you know, we found it obviously with Pat McAfee, like really late. Um, but I was going to be in a lot of trouble if I did not find, you know, a, a sponsor the week of the race, even though I was a full season entry. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a very interesting time. You got to think about rescheduling literally two weeks for the Indy 500. If you actually want to run all, you know, the scheduled, you know, sessions and stuff like that. Um, and, and my brain honestly start, my, I, my brain starts weeping when it thinks about a rescheduled Indy 500 because I just, I have no idea how that would work. Ever since I literally came out of my mother as a human, there has been nothing different, you know, in the Indy 500. It's always been the month of May. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's very strange, but, um, you know, we obviously just have to take it day by day. And, and we literally, it's, it's March. It is still March, like middle to maybe getting late. Obviously, you know, March 20th right now is we have a lot of time for people to start figuring this stuff out, getting a better idea. I mean, heck, you read all kinds of reports about, you know, China's getting back to work. They're doing all that. I mean, Super Formula in Japan is testing next week. Uh, I mean, that's that's a race series that's literally back in action testing next week. Um, so, you know, I, I was talking to a couple of the drivers over there and they're like, yeah, we're, we're testing next week. Things are a go. And that's in Japan. Like, that's like that's where a lot of people are. And China's not too far away. Um, so, you know, obviously, again, that that's just, you know, what's actually happening right now. And, and we'll obviously have to see how, you know, see how people continue to interpret it here. Yeah. I wouldn't want to speculate too much on this, but because people, some people have been doing it, I mean, if you get past May, I think the biggest problem with the 500 is that big weekends that you would want to hold the 500 on, I mean, it's obviously been on Memorial Day weekend for the specific reason of uh, it being a time to celebrate uh, people who serve our country, uh, both domestically and, and internationally, and 
You've got the 4th of July is already taken up with the, the Brickyard 400. It seems really, and at least in my mind, it seems hard to imagine IndyCar being willing to share that weekend with NASCAR and also hold basically two of the biggest events on both their calendars at the same track on the same weekend. Um, and then your other option maybe is Labor Day, but Labor Day has already been committed to Portland. I know some people wonder if maybe they could move Portland, but then you're getting to, you're starting to muddy up the schedule even more because you've got an event that has already been planned, already has fans that have bought plane tickets or put money into hotel rooms, and then to tell them to move their race that shouldn't necessarily be affected seems like an odd position to do. So it just, I think it gets too confusing to predict where the 500 might fall if it has to get moved. Hopefully it doesn't, uh, but I guess only time will tell really on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it it all just becomes extra awkward and extra weird. But uh, I guess, you know, in times of crisis and times of, you know, crazy stuff going on, you know, maybe people will work together and figure out how we make this happen. You know, maybe, maybe this brings motorsport together a little bit more and says, hey, you know, we got a weird year on our hands. Let's try and, you know, get everything taken care of and, and, and uh, you know, get us all back on our feet. You know, because if one – if, if one side of motorsport is struggling, whether that's NASCAR, you know, IndyCar, Formula One, um, you know, dirt racing, any, anything like that, if, if one side of it is struggling, you know, that means probably the whole, the whole, the whole program is struggling. All of racing is struggling. But if you can, you know, if we can all kind of help, if, if each series helps one another and all the series are growing, um, you know, which is sort of sort of, which it, which is what it looked like it was doing. You know, NASCAR TV ratings were up this year. I think they did a great job so far. Um, you know, if we can all help each other, hopefully that leads to you know more successful years in motorsport to come. I think so too. I there have been multiple team owners that I've spoken with who have said they really think, especially if uh, I, you know if we start the year with the 500. Now, obviously, that's up in the air, but whether we do that or not. That they really feel like because of this, you know, layoff and this lag time in a sport that has been growing fairly consistently and fairly strongly over these last several years, both in TV ratings, just in uh, social media, you know, movement online. I think I think there's a really big chance that in some ways, once we get the financial implications out of the way for some of these teams and maybe even some of these sponsors. That this could turn out to be, in some ways, like a unifying thing for folks who are already really passionate, uh, and I think it could, hopefully, ideally, you know, in a in a perfect world or a, a decent situation, maybe this is something that eventually IndyCar not only recovers from but comes out somewhat stronger, um, especially if this event and this season can be an exciting one, which I think it was planning out to be certainly uh, before all this happened a week ago. Yeah, and, and I hope, you know, something that is really cool that is bringing a lot of people together right now is, is all the e-racing, you know, racing online, um, you know, all, a lot of different racing series, whether it's Formula One, NASCAR, I think IndyCar is going to follow suit as well, um, you know, have, uh, you know, basically official online races and the fans can check it out and probably even jump in on a couple races. Um, which is really cool, and I, and I, I mean, I've been pushing esports for a long time, but um, you know, I mean, I, I'm even part of an esports team, and and I, you know, I work with those kids, a lot of the professional gamers, and it's really cool. You know, I've got I've got a Twitch channel that I I play video games on and stream, 
you know, stream on all the time. Um, and, and this is kind of definitely bringing light to that. And it's, you know, sim racers right now are, are shining and they're, they're loving it. Um, because all we can do is, you know, do stuff at home and do stuff online. So, um, I think that's cool to see, you know, people are actually really trying to make the best of the situation. Each racing series is, and, you know, we'll obviously have to see, um, you know, see what we can get out of that and potentially continue that once we do actually go racing again for real. On the sim racing subject, um, probably one of the thing, many things that you're now able to do a little bit more when you have a little bit more free time than you were expecting. Um, for, for some people, including me, that aren't super well integrated and, and very knowledgeable about simulated racing on the variety of platforms that you have, whether it's iRacing or others, what is that experience like and really truly how realistic does it feel uh, compared to, I know you're not, you know, there's, it takes the risk factor out of it. Um, you maybe don't have quite the, uh, the feeling of being in a car per se, but, um, how, how close have those platforms gotten to really truly trying to simulate what it's like to be in a race car and compete against, uh, against other athletes on the other side? I mean, it's tough, honestly. It's, it's still, you know, even the most high-tech simulators in the world, you know, the stuff that, you know, Chevy and, and Honda use for their, their IndyCar simulation, the chassis, that, you know, the real chassis that we get into, the motion and stuff like that. I mean, even those are still games. Are we using them religiously and getting getting work done with them? Absolutely. But, I mean, for me, like a driver that truly drives through the seat of my pants, I have to feel everything. Um, you know, you can't feel certain things. Can you feel general setup characteristics and changes and a direction on, on where to go. Yeah. There's a few things that you can feel for sure. And that's why we're able to use it. Um, but there are also some people that are just better at video games than other people. That's just sort of how it works. And, um, and, 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 and then that's, you know, that's obviously, um, you know, really apparent, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 the technology when it comes to designing the tracks, the technology when it comes to designing the cars, um, is definitely getting better, and I think iRacing is obviously leading the, you know, leading the field when it comes to that stuff. Um, and you know, Forza Motorsport does a great job as well with you know such a wide variety of cars and and tracks that you can drive. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are people making money that are being paid to you know race online. I mean, there are professional video game players that are making money doing that. So, um, you know, clearly the, uh, you know, the software and the programs have got, you know, to a great position. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think we'll all be doing more of that over the next couple weeks. Um, you know, I, I hate racing games, honestly. I, I have been not, I'm not, when I play video games and I stream video games, it's normally Call of Duty, Apex Legends, some sort of, you know, some sort of high activity, you know, shooter game because I, I like those. A lot of my friends play those. Um, and I, I already have done thousands of simulator laps. And I, when I'm, when doing that, we're actually doing work to prevention, you know, to help my, you know, the, our, my racing career and our race team. But when I get online and do iRacing or something like that, there's just going to be someone talking crap and beating the crap out of you because you don't play every 10 hours and develop your own setups and have a great feel for video games. So I, I, that's what I'm like. I don't even want to put myself through that frustration because I'm a competitive person and I, and I can be more competitive in Call of Duty than I can be, um, you know, on a racing simulator. So, 
So I don't know. I'll probably, I'll probably, if, if IndyCar starts to come out, you know, with some official, um, you know, races and stuff like that with the rest of the guys, I'll probably jump in on it um, for the, you know, for the community. But, uh, but yeah, that's my opinion when it comes to all the, all the gaming stuff. Sure. So beyond uh, Call of Duty, beyond uh, maybe uh, just hanging out with, uh, you know, Rossi or, or Hinch or Ed, um, what have you, I mean, what have you been trying to do to pass the time? I know you said that you've still been able to work out these last couple of days with your trainer. Uh, you said you have a bike at home. Do you have, are, are we talking like Simon Pagano's like uh, Tour de France type bike situation? Uh, what, what do you have in-house to still be able to be active and, and uh, not go too crazy? Yeah, I mean, look, as a driver, you, you've got to be, just physically ready to go, right? I mean, I think that no matter what in the off season, you just have to stay stay ready. Um, the the problem is, is the off season is great, and you're you're out of the car for a long time. But when you still get back into the car in St. Pete or for the first race, it's really tough because no matter how much you could run for ten hours a day, like Tony Canon, but he is still going to be tired on day one in the race car because it's it's a different race. Fitness is a different level. And you can only get that by being in the race car. And, you know, this year physically I felt better than I ever have going into a season in our test days. Well, our 1.3 test days that we've got so far, <laughs> um, you know, they, 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 I felt really good. Um, and But I was ready to get back into the race car because once you get back into, you know, do one race, do two races, then your body, you know, gets used to racing again and you, take, you can take your kind of physicality to another level. But now – we're, we're stuck not racing again. So um, it, it's just, it's, it's a weird sensation, but our jobs, we know our jobs. Yes, we don't have a day job. Like we don't have something, you know, something normal, but, but our job is to make sure that when we show up, you know, wherever that may be for the first race that we are physically as prepared as possible. So, you know, for, for me, it's certainly, you know, training with my trainer in the morning, um, you know, doing whatever you have to do during the day and then getting on the bike for, for an hour or two in the afternoon. Um, so, you know, just train twice a day, do your thing, try to be, you know, focused on, on that. Um, because if you're training twice a day, you know, it doesn't matter if you play Call of Duty for the next four hours because <laughs> at least you're burning stuff off the rest of the time. So, I mean, honestly, though, it's weird because normally, yes, we would be training you know, twice a day still, no matter what, over the off season. But you could go to the race shop. You could go, you know, look at video. You, you have a test day every now and then, or you have something you can do. But we literally have nothing to do. There is nothing we can do because we're not allowed to. And, and that's just, I think, it's just so different. And you just, so that's basically it. I mean, our job is to do physical activity. Honestly, when it gets warm, I, I, if it does get warm in Indianapolis, I plan on going to the go-kart track. I know a go-kart team that'll, you know, get me out there and run and, you know, just do laps. I mean, I want to do hundreds of laps in a go-kart out of Newcastle, um, you know, if we can, as soon as it gets warm and, and they, you know, they give us the green light to go out there. Because I know a lot of the NASCAR guys in Charlotte are going out to GoPro Motorsport Park, which is the go-kart track out in Charlotte, um, because it's warmer there. So, you know, they can get out there. And that's honestly, go-karting is still some of the best training you can do. Um, you know, to get in a real race car because those shifter carts and those go karts are really physically tough. So um, that that'll be a new addition to the training program. Hopefully, if it gets warmer soon. 
Yeah. That, are you a uh, a Netflix, a Hulu, Amazon Prime? Are you a, like a, a binge watcher guy? Do you have anything that you've been watching uh, or plan to watch over these next couple of days and weeks? Uh, you know what? I'll probably rent some movies on app on on, on my Apple TV. A uh, few movies, but definitely shows. I've been getting through Peaky Blinders. Been finishing that up. Uh, probably have to watch You season two. Um, there's a few things that I've got to get through for sure. Um, but, uh, but honestly, Call of Duty Warzone has been taking up most of my time if I'm going to be sitting around doing nothing. That's fair. Um, all right, let's get to some of these questions we had. We got a pretty good response from folks. Um, I'll start off with this one from Scott Collingford, um, which I think is a fitting one and it probably should extend not only to Connor, but to me as well. But, uh, he asks, Connor is... This your fault for finally having a full time ride slash rides. I think he's implying uh, now that Connor has a full time gig, suddenly the the season gets put on hold. I have actually been surprised that I haven't been blamed having this be my uh, first IndyCar season that just all hell breaks loose basically. Um, now that we've started. <laughs> You know what? I, I think I am definitely very responsible for this. Um, it does seem like the way my life uh, goes, um, oddly enough. And I think if, if you've been following me for a while, or if you've known sort of my racing career, really ever since, ever since uh, 2012, really 2012, 13, um, it's been an interesting ride. Some very wild situations that um, are very unpredictable and very like how the heck did that happen um so yes i will take partial responsibility i think tony Kanaan as well sent me a message the other day saying um he thinks it's his fault as well or he thinks it's he thinks it's because you know he he, he was losing his full-time ride but he wants to keep his record going of consecutive starts so if we start at the indy 500 he'll be able to do that um and you know i think there's a lot of you know there's a lot of things that are going on that are just so wild, but I think all signs do point to my dumb face and my luck for sure. Yeah, that's true. Tony, his his record of consecutive starts I think stood at uh, three three hundred seventeen going into this year. Maybe we get to the the five hundred and start the year, or one of those other ovals. Maybe it's Texas that, the, that we start the year with. He gets it up to three eighteen. I think Scott Dixon is uh, uh, the next person uh, in line there, but maybe Tony gets to lengthen that. <laughs>
there's still so much off-season to do what we have to do. Yes, it'll be a busier off-season than normal, but we can do it because these teams have raced into October before um, or even November. Formula One does it. Um, you know, so I, I think I, I think we just we have to do whatever it takes. Obviously, you know, we'll have to see how the virus plays out and see how insane everyone gets or continues to get. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think for sure we've got to we've got to get in this year uh, as many races as we can, you know, and, and, and see what happens going from there. Yeah, we'll have to see, um, you know, like Indy, for instance, if you put it towards the end of the year. Um, I don't know all of the science and the specifics around, like, what temperature the air or the track has to be to be able to run, like, race-type speeds. Um, but I imagine you've still got a lot of time. And Indy is, you know, on the on the schedule, one of the more northern tracks that you have. So you can maybe even try to shuffle around and, and get in a couple races, maybe some double headers at some of those tracks in the south. Uh, or in Texas, whatever, to try to make up things. I, I, I would agree. I think there's certainly a, a solid chance that you guys get 17 races in, or at least very close to that, uh, unless this all gets really, really, really out of hand. Um, a good one here from the mayor of Moose Town, uh, said, which I think is a, a good little positivity-type question. Uh, says, the world needs happiness right now. Connor, what has been the happiest moment of your racing career? Uh, and then one for me, what's been the happiest moment of my journalism career? So we'll start, uh, I'll go go ahead and start with you, Connor. What was the happiest moment of my racing career? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think if, if you pick one, it has to be the first Indy 500. Um, you know, lining up for, for that race was, was probably the coolest thing ever. Um, you know, just getting there, realizing what was happening uh you know the guys that were also on the grid with me um you know dario franchiti elio castro neves tony canon marco andretti you know ryan hunter ray so many so many legends that i've seen looked up to um you know really really a uh you know an impressive and just i was just thankful for you know getting there um but also, you know, I think, you know, my first podium in IndyCar was a really special moment. I mean, we, we came so close to winning winning an IndyCar race, and it's so hard to do that. Um, but to be able to celebrate on a podium with Juan Pablo Montoya and Sebastian Bourdais, who are two guys that are, you know, obviously legends, um, you know, that was a very legitimizing feeling. Um, it was a really cool, uh, you know, and special moment. Um, and, and my family was there as well. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, th- those two moments are probably, um, you know, some of the, some of the coolest moments, uh, you know, that I've, that I've got to experience. That's good. I'll, I'll keep mine too as well. Cause I don't know that I have one specifically. I, I guess my first one, um, kind of on the same line of your first, uh, your first answer there, just getting a job in journalism, um, given how, much this industry has changed. My first job, uh, I, I had two internships right out of college. I graduated from IU in 2014, and um, I applied to just a load of jobs after I had these two internships, and randomly out of the blue, uh, got a response from a newspaper out in Palm Springs, California, uh, called the Desert Sun. I had just, I was finishing up an internship all the way over in Norfolk, Virginia, 
um, and, and found out I had a job all the way out on the complete other side of the country, uh, covering high school sports out there, and um, I was starting to get panicked a little bit that I wasn't going to have a job after this internship was over with, and uh, I, you know, I've heard some horror stories of some of my friends that have been in that position, so it was just exciting just to get a response, a good response from that. Um, ended up moving out there, drove across the country with my dad, moved out to California. Um, it was a place where uh, I worked for three years, met my wife at that paper, actually, and um, then I guess the second one that I'll, I'll stick to was just earlier this, this last year. Uh, I was working out in New Orleans. Um, my wife and I got married in September of 2018, and uh, I had been part-time employed while she'd been working uh, at a job uh, at a newsletter, daily newsletter in Manhattan, and we were living just outside of New York City and Jersey City in New Jersey, and uh, I got a job originally to move out to New Orleans, and we decided that I would take that even though it meant that we'd be living apart. So. I worked in New Orleans, a lot of you may know this, but I worked in New Orleans for about 10 months, uh, and my wife and I did long distance, uh, basically seeing each other once a month. And when I heard that this job opened at the Indianapolis Star, um, immediately jumped on it. Uh, it was some, somewhere where I had a lot of family back here, um, and it was also an opportunity where my wife uh, was able to, able to apply for a job uh, also at the Star, and we both ended up getting uh, accepted on both of those. So getting back to live with family, live with my wife uh, for the first time in a year after we'd been married for um, you know almost that entire portion of living apart was pretty wild. So getting this new job here at the Star, uh, maybe a little bit of a cop out, but uh, was in a certainly exciting time for me there. So um, we'll go to the next one here from Chris Hoffman. Uh, it says, Connor, does the cancellation or postponement of races change the races that you will be doing for Ed Carpenter Racing and Carlin this year? I mean, to be honest, I have no idea. Um, I mean, I know Ed's not doing any road courses, so any road courses they either add or take away, you know, will will go against my schedule. So obviously if those first four races um, actually do go away and we don't replace them with anything, then, yeah, I'm doing way less races with Ed Carpenter Racing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know how, uh, how that will work. I assume they will try to... Um, you know, put in more races or at least get a, get a, get a more, more schedule. But, you know, the oval races with, with Carlin are obviously, you know, middle and late summer. So, uh, if the world resumes world activities, you know, by then, then I don't, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't do that. However, that's not my race team. You know, that, that, you know, that's Max Chilton's ride. You know, if, if he wants to, if for some reason he wants to do those races, I'm sure he will do them. Um, but, you know, if, if he continues to, you know, to, to, to have his stance on what he wants to do, then, then yeah, I'll, I'll probably do those. But honestly, I, I think there are so many question marks right now. Um, I really hope I get to do as many races as possible with Ed Carpenter Racing um, because they're, you know, that, that's an incredible group and they've put a lot of work into our, our effort and we want to obviously go out there and represent for the U.S. Air Force. Um, but, yeah, I mean, right now, I'm still scheduled to do the whole season, wherever those races or however they might be run. Um, but with my life, you never know what could happen. It does seem, I mean, you touched on this a little bit, but it does seem even though the schedule is very much up in the air, you have uh, the one partner on one of your cars 
has been, you know, pretty solid in the stance of Ed's not going to run those road and street races like you mentioned, and, and Max, unless he changes course, has been pretty firm in his stance of not running ovals minus Indy. So even if things kind of get thrown off kilter as far as scheduling or the number of races we get, I would imagine whatever that full season is, it, it does seem pretty likely that you will probably run whatever that full calendar ends up being. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's get here uh, from Stitch Turner uh, at at according to Stitch. Uh, have you all eaten all the snacks in your house? Because he says he has. Um, have you? Uh, I <laughs> I've eaten uh, I think close to two boxes of Cheez-Its over these last this last week or so. I've been trying. The biggest struggle for me in this situation is like forcing myself to eat lunch because I'm someone who, you know, I'll, I'll eat breakfast in the morning and I'll get to work and especially with how crazy some of these days tend to be with either expecting news to break at a certain time or wanting to be glued to your computer waiting to and not miss anything as far as news-wise goes. I find it very difficult to uh, get up and actually force myself to take a break and eat lunch when you're at home working like this. So that's been the biggest struggle for me more than snacking has actually been trying to eat three balanced meals a day. I don't know what it is like for you. Um, you know, I, I have snacks here. I mean, I bought things that, that don't necessarily go bad. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just been trying to, like this week, thankfully, has been, you know, until they close access to, you know, the gym that I go to with my trainer, which I hope they don't do because, you know, there, there, there are people trying to get in some work here and it's a safe environment. Um, you know, I've got my morning routine of getting up, going to the gym, coming back, you know, doing lunch. And thankfully, we can still order food from food delivery services. So if I can still order food from food delivery services, I will not die. And if that gets shut down, well, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know what's going to happen. So right now, we're still stocked. We're still locked and we're ready to go for all the apocalypse. That's good. Um, another one here from Dan Kincaid uh, asks Connor, uh, what's the most boring race slash racetrack you've been on? And, and then uh, asks if it was uh, Monaco or, or another track. Uh, boring? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, honestly, there, there's not really any tracks that are boring because they all have exciting, um, you know, aspects to them. I mean, I... Uh, I think I, I I always hated Lime Rock. Lime Rock Park for me is my least favorite track of all racetracks. Um, don't enjoy driving there at all. Uh, I've been fast there, but always ended up in the wall somehow. Um, and, you know, I've only raced there twice. So uh, I, I just, other than that, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I think, I, I, thankfully, racing is, is exciting no matter what, and there's not a lot of boring moments. No, I agree. We, this and Monaco, you mentioned Monaco. Monaco yeah. was very exciting. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I didn't have a great track record there, nor did my father. Um, but uh, but I, when, when I was not flying through the air, I actually had a really great race there in GP2 in 2014. Not many people will remember. Um, I did beat Alex Rossi, no big deal, whatever, <laughs> in the 500 champion. Um, but we managed to score points in GP2 with a very backmarker team, like the worst team in the series. 
Um, and our, our team owner was so pumped because we finished like eighth there in Monaco. And uh, it was so fun, um, you know, to, to race well there uh, in a very high powered car because the GP2 car was so impressive. Um, and, and yeah, it's, uh, that I, 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 I like Monaco a lot, despite, uh, what the internet says. <laughs> yes. Um, one year from Patrick Sage, um, why is IndyCar the only major series to not have an esports league right now? I will, uh, I know Connor said that, you know, it sounds like we're hopefully going to hear more about something like that soon. I've heard the same things. Um, hopefully that changes here in the, in the near future, but I, I have heard, that there are some rumblings of something coming together to that effect. Have you heard similar, Connor? Yeah, look, I mean, honestly, we're, we're a lot smaller than NASCAR and Formula One. NASCAR and Formula One have enough people and resources to dedicate to having an eSports series. Obviously, we know that there was a there's a NASCAR series. There's definitely a Formula One series as well. Each Formula One team had a team of eSports racers. But IndyCar is so focused on trying to make our real racing series you know, as good as it can be. But now we're forced into doing something else. We're forced into, you know, making something else happen. So I, I they are working on an esports series that I can, I, I mean, I hope to at least be able to tell you about it. If I'm not allowed to tell you about it, then I don't know. But, uh, but there's definitely going to be a lot of driver participation from what I've heard so far um, and a way to get the fans involved. Um, and get people, um, you know, get people to, you know, either race with us, to watch us, and and to, you know, just just be a part of a racing series somehow um, on the internet. So I, I stay tuned for sure on that. Yeah. Um, question here from Drew Vimond uh, at Fat and Chipotle. Um, Connor, what has been the most memorable victory you've ever had in your racing career? Uh, that's a great guy, Fat on Chipotle, Drew. Um, not great at Call of Duty, though. He could be better at Call of Duty. We'll tell him we'll that. Um, I think the most memorable victory, uh, probably Long Beach Indy Lights 2011. Um, you know, racing against Joseph there in Long Beach was really cool. Our team, uh, you know, it was a very competitive team. Um, and, and, and definitely my first victory in Europe in, in GP3, uh, on the world stage, Formula One weekend, Barcelona, uh, you know, I had come off a year in 2011 where, um, you know, uh, it was a really tough year for me. People had already started, started doubting me, but I was signed to a Formula One team after that season because by the end of it, we got going really well and started literally started the season with a win so um so that was that was really cool uh, you know to hear the american uh, national anthem uh there and w- was was awesome so uh that was probably one of the most memorable all right um i don't know if i've seen any other questions are you seeing any more connor before we uh close things up here um yes actually i i believe i did because i remember when that one came in um i got one uh, well, you had the major esports series, um, all the snacks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we got Michael Byers who asked if I was still on Alex Rossi's couch, <laughs> uh, which is, which, no, I, I did sleep on his couch when we got back from St. Pete because I had no power in my house. But no, I do actually have an actual house. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, we talked about the Indy 500 potentially being rescheduled and all that stuff. Um, 
Stephen Wilson had it. Philip Gaynor, he said Stephen Wilson had an interesting plan. Um, you know, Indy GP with the Brickyard Weekend, all that stuff. Indy 500 on Labor Day. Uh, you know, we talked about that again, but it's that stuff is like really tough. I mean, that is that's. I just I, I again, those people who are going to try to make this schedule or rearrange it. I mean, it's like playing chess blind with pieces that you've never felt before. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's crazy. You know, to even think about how. Um, you know, how that could go. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think overall, you know, we want all of our fans and we want our people that support us. We want the team members. We don't want to jeopardize anyone's families. Um, but my, and, and again, this is my only personal opinion, right? Like we, we in no way can live in a bubble. Like there, there, life is always going to be dangerous. I live with diabetes. Diabetes kills a ton of people all the time, and and obviously that's not contagious. But uh, but everyone's living with problems. It's 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 just a matter of you know how can we fight through them? How can we get to the next level? How can we get to the next day? Um, we'll definitely get through this, but. You know, it almost, you know, from what I've seen, considering I've never lived through anything, I mean, I saw bird flu or whatever, I saw that, that was going on, but this has truly shut down the entire planet, um, and, you know, I, I just, I don't know how, um, you know, I don't know how we can continue to live like that, so hopefully, you know, our, our smart people and, uh, you know, folks around the world, doctors and researchers and scientists, those guys, um, you know, put their heads together and, and we, you know, we all figure this out um, because I don't want to live in a cancel culture and a culture that's just going to, you know, ban us from going outside for forever from now on. So I, I think we'll get through it. Um, you know, we're definitely taking it seriously. You know, I'm taking it seriously. I'm not going out and hanging with anyone. I'm just doing my thing, trying to stay fit. And, uh, and yeah, hopefully we can all, you know, make it through this. It's been wild. I, I think – the, bit, the biggest thing on the rescheduling side that there are probably some folks um, IndyCar-wise that haven't even thought about this, the season has that big break between July and August this year, particularly because you have the Olympics. They're supposed to be broadcast exclusively on NBC, and at that point in the schedule for both IndyCar, obviously NBC is the... Uh, and NBC Sports are the exclusive broadcasters for the series at that point, but they're also the the back half of the series of NASCAR's broadcaster. So you have both IndyCar and, and NASCAR vying for time. You've got the Olympics that are still, at this point, running as planned that basically take up that entire two, two-and-a-half-week window of TV time that sports assuming that IndyCar and NASCAR are able to run at that point, though you can't run on those weekends unless you negotiate some wild deal with NBC to broadcast races uh, somewhere else, which I can't imagine happening. Um, and then, so that takes up a big chunk of that warm weather um, time when hopefully things are semi-back to normal. Uh, and it, it, that's, I mean, that's a, a huge hurdle that both of those series among everything else that sports-wise is being canceled right now is, is going to have to figure out because you're going to have all these sports now vying for a very compact uh, amount of TV broadcast time and, and not everyone's going to be able to 
play or uh, compete or race when they want to. And I think that's a big, somewhat understated part of all of this because sports are going to want to go back to normal, but they're also very much so going to still want to be able to be on TV and IndyCar is no different than any of that. Oh, yeah. And we need our TV. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so hopefully we can sort that out. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I think that looks like all the questions that we had. Um, appreciate everyone who sent one in. Um, we don't exactly know when the next podcast we will be will have, but hopefully we get some more clarification on what the rest of 2020 is going to look like here before too long. And when we do, uh, Connor and I will definitely be back on here. So for now, the uh, second episode of IndyCar Weekly. I'm Nathan Brown with the Indianapolis Star uh, for Connor Daly. Thanks so much for listening, and we will look forward to talking to you guys next time. Thank you.